I love this series that we're in, continuing a long-standing tradition at Wise Chapel. We kick off the summer in June with this road trip series. Todd, I think our very first one was 2013. Through the years, we've had a lot of adventures, done some really fun things. It has been a great time, but I really was intrigued this year. Todd actually came up with this idea. I had never heard of Nameless Texas, didn't know there was such a thing. And so we traveled there, really had a great time, but it prompted us thinking about those nameless people in the Bible whose names are not mentioned, and yet they do some pretty dramatic things that teach us a lot about the faith. And then we started thinking not only about those examples of the Bible, but we started thinking about our own lives, those unnamed people in our lives that the history books may not record, the general population may not know, but they influence us and they shape us. The truth of the matter is we live in a society that's fascinated with celebrities. Uh, we like the famous people and with the great athletes, but we all know that the people that really influence us, that shape the world, are those unknown ordinary people. In fact, look around us. We're a room full of the body of Christ, of ordinary people that history may not record our names. And yet Christ is counting on us to carry on his work in the world. Got to see this in a wonderful way this past week. A young man that grew up in our church that is absolutely delightful is a young man named Zach Stiefel. Grew up here. He's gone on to become a Methodist pastor, pastoring a church in Mansfield, doing a wonderful job. And he is just a delightful, bubbly personality. And Todd and I got to go last Tuesday and hang out with Zach and speak to his church. And I'll be honest with you, it was wonderful. He's doing a great job in ministry. His church loves him and his family. And Todd and I were proud papas. But as he entered... Older brother. Older brother and... No. Maybe grandpapa. I don't know. Anyway... We just loved getting to hang out with Zach. But as he introduced us, he said something that just made me start thinking. He remembered back to a conversation that we all had. After he graduated from Oklahoma State, uh, he came and worked on our youth stat. And one day he said what he remembers is we were walking, Todd and I and Zach, through the parking lot to get ready to go home for the day. And we were having a conversation. And in that conversation, I gave Todd some life coaching about family. Now, I'm always coaching Todd about something, but he remembered that conversation in great detail. And then he said, you know, your words to Todd that day stuck with me. They moved me. They became a part of my really philosophy of life. And I started thinking, how often is that true of all of us? Sometimes the ordinary conversations in ordinary ways, those ordinary encounters become the things that impact others. And we're not even aware of it happening at the moment. You see, sometimes it's those ordinary people, those ordinary words, ordinary moments that become the building blocks that the Holy Spirit uses to build the kingdom of God, which means you and I need to be aware. We need to be tuned in we never know who we are influencing in ways we cannot imagine. And we see that in our scripture lesson for today. We're going to meet our first nameless person in the Bible, and Todd shared with us, it is that penitent thief. Now remember what's going on before we get to our scripture. Jesus had been arrested, betrayed by one of his followers. 
He was taken into the religious elite and um, he had a kangaroo court trial. Um, He was beaten, he was flogged, and then they took him out to crucify him. But even more than the horror, the shame, the pain of the cross, it was even worse because they, they wanted to mock Jesus as he was executed. So here he was, the sinless lamb of God, in the center, surrounded on either side by two notorious, famous criminals that everybody knew about, two thieves who were very guilty. And here was Jesus in the midst of that moment. So that's what's going on in our scripture lesson. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn now and watch this conversation from the cross. <clears throat> Luke 23, and we're going to be read verses 39 through 43. <clears throat> Luke 23, verses 39 through 43. Hear the word of the Lord. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him saying, do you not fear God since you were under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned condemned justly for we're getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Notice one, this horrible thing that was going on through Jesus' trial and arrest and this ordeal, and that he was mocked and taunted by people. The people that arrested him kept making fun of him And the crowd kept making fun of him and the leaders kept making fun of him. And they kept saying, Jesus, if you're really the Messiah, do a miracle, do something dramatic and then we will believe. And as he was being beaten and scourged and tortured, they said, Jesus, why don't you call angels to come and rescue you? Do something and then we will believe. And their taunting continued to the cross. Those religious leaders followed and they continued to mock him and make fun of him and and challenge him. And one of the thieves picked up on the taunting. So what does he say? Well, if you're really the Messiah, save yourself and save us. Do something, Jesus, and then we will believe. But there was scorn, ridicule in his voice. And the other thief picked up on that. And he got on to him. And what did he say? We're guilty. We, have, we were getting what we deserve to happen to us. But this man is innocent of his crimes. And then we get this heartfelt plea. Jesus, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. What we get is in this most unlikely of way, this penitent thief shows us how we come to faith. And again, notice how unlikely it is because Jesus will answer him, today you will be with me in paradise. Notice what's going on. This thief, honestly, is the first Christian convert, the most unlikely person in the most unlikely of ways, the most unlikely of time, reaches out with his heart to Jesus, recognizes Jesus, and Jesus says, you are showing the world how salvation happens. What can we learn from this conversation? Well, he teaches us how we come to faith. The first thing is we have to recognize who Jesus is. He's the Messiah, he's the Son of God. He is the one without sin. And we recognize who we are. We're sinners. We deserve our punishment. We deserve our condemnation. 
But when we reach out to Jesus and say, Lord, Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus' answer to that penitent thief is the same answer to every sinner who reaches out with that earnest prayer throughout history. He gives us the answer in verse 43. Truly I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. Think about it, the moment that all of history waited for, the moment that Jesus enters heaven. Can you imagine the celebration of the angels and the host of heaven applauding and cheering as Jesus' work was done and he entered heaven, but when he walked into heaven, there was somebody walking beside him. This nameless, penitent thief. And he teaches us something important. It's the most unlikely ones in the most unlikely ways that point us to the faith. I love the story, Dr. Nat Long, for many years was the pastor of the Glen Memorial Church on the campus of Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. And he tells the story. One day he came in to preach and he looked out at the congregation and there was a very prominent business person sitting there this business person was widely known. He was powerful, he had great influence, and he was also a very avowed atheist and was public about it. He liked to scorn the faith, and he did that all the time. And there he was in church. So Dr. Long preached, and he was noticed that, again, his eyes were on this man, and, and he was there that week, and surprisingly, he was there the next week, and the next week, and the next week, and the week after, and he kept coming. And, and finally, Dr. Long said he knew the man was coming and he would sit in his study every week trying to write a sermon that would reach this man that was always on his mind. And sure enough, it happened. One day after he had preached, he gave the invitation and the man came down the aisle, tears streaming down his face. He knelt at the altar and he accepted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he joined the church and it was just a moment of celebration for that congregation. When the benediction was over, the Dr. Long turned to this, this businessman and said, I really want to ask you a personal question, and I hope you don't mind me asking, but maybe your answer can help me help other people. I just want to ask you, what was it? Which one of my sermons made the difference? What was it that I said that kind of turned your life around, that started you on the road to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And the man looked at him and said, preacher, I have to tell you, I like you and I like your sermons and I wouldn't hurt your feelings for the world, but you have to know it wasn't any of your sermons. It wasn't anything that you said. What finally reached me was the fact that for 41 years, I have lived with two of the most kind and loving people that God ever created. And I finally reached the point that I decided that I want to live like my wife and my daughter live. I want to worship a Savior in my life like my wife worships. Fellow nameless people, are we aware who's watching us? Who's listening to us? Do we draw people to Jesus' side? Because that's where we experience the, the power. 
by Jesus' side. That's, that's where we experience the promise. Today, you'll be with me in, in paradise. Today. Today. See, it's, it's a promise that's just as true today as it was way back then. Today. Because the promise of salvation, it's not just about the life to come. Y'all have heard us say it before. Salvation is not just about the, the life to come. Salvation is about life right now. It's about life today. It's about love and hope and peace and joy. Today it's about goodness. Today it's about all these things that, that this nameless penitent thief maybe had never experienced before. But, but on that day, on that today, and that, that, that one moment of exquisite agony, he knew him. He felt him. And not just them, but, but redemption and forgiveness and worth. And, and it all happened in six hours. The Bible is really clear about that. It all happened in, in six hours, from the third hour to the ninth hour, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., from, from the time of the morning sacrifice in the temple to the time of the evening sacrifice in the temple. For six hours, Jesus hung on a cross. For six hours, Jesus hung on a cross surrounded by, by nameless people. Surrounded by nameless thieves and nameless soldiers and nameless women and nameless men for six hours. And, and this is the thing that I've been thinking about all week. This, this is the thing that I've been stewing on. I've been praying on it. I've been meditating on it. And, and I'll, I'll just go ahead and admit it to you. I don't know. I don't know that this is a thought that I've ever thought before. I'm not sure that, that, that I have ever wondered this particular wonder before, because all, all week I've wondered, what, what made the difference for this one? What brought about the change? Because Jesus wasn't crucified with just one criminal, there were two. Jesus was crucified in between the two thieves. So what changed the one? What was it? Because Matthew's gospel tells us that whenever the crucifixion began, both of them, both of the thieves blasphemed the Lord. Both of them said the most, the most awful things about him. They said the most awful things to him. As it began, they were both piling on, mocking and jeering. But something happened. Somewhere in those six hours, something, something happened. What? What was it? What was it that brought about brought about the, the change. What made the one so receptive and the other so, so resistant? Because what we're talking about here is one of the greatest stories of redemption. What we're talking about here is one of the greatest stories of conversion in the entire Bible. A mouth that once openly defied the Lord, just six hours later defended him. We're getting what we deserve. He says, but not him. What turned on that light? I want to know, I, I need to know what turned on that light for him because there are people in my life that are still walking in the dark. 
What changed him? What, what did he experience? What did, what did he see? What did he hear? Because he didn't see Jesus work any miracles. There were no blind eyes that were opened at Calvary. There were no deaf ears that were healed. And, and you didn't hear Jesus preach any sermons. There are no parables. No, no good Samaritan. There was no prodigal sons. As a matter of fact, Luke tells us that this thief, he only heard Jesus say one thing. Luke tells us he only heard Jesus speak 10 words, one thing. Luke tells us he only heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He only heard Jesus say one thing, one needful thing, but it was the one thing he needed to hear. It's the one thing we all need to hear, forgiveness. And, and I don't know about this other guy. I don't know about the other thief. I don't know what he was thinking. I wish I could tell us. I don't know. Maybe, maybe for him it was too good to be true. Maybe for him it was too good to be believed, or maybe he thought that he was too bad to be redeemed. But whatever it was, whatever got in the way, whether it it'd be his anger or his doubt or his pride or his pain, whatever it was, that guy, all he saw was his problems. But this guy, this penitent thief, he saw the promise. He saw forgiveness. He saw a man brutalized, a man shredded by vengeance and hate and fear. He saw a man abandoned and rejected and yet still responding to his very accusers with love and with grace and with mercy and with hope. And all of a sudden, those things, all of a sudden, those things for which him, they never had had a name before. For him, they took on a name. Jesus. These nameless things took on a name. And it was Jesus. It, it was six hours and 10 words. That's what changed him. Six hours and 10 words, that made all the difference in the world because that's whenever he came to himself. That's whenever he started to, to realize that, that I'm getting what I deserve. I deserve to die. But Jesus deserves to live. He began to realize I'm, I'm a sinner. But he's the savior. It was six hours and 10 words. That's what made the difference. He, be, he came to himself and he began to realize that he had, throughout his life, he had stolen everything he'd ever wanted. But he'd never found the one thing he really needed. Forgiveness, the very same forgiveness that Jesus from the cross was, was offering to the crowd. And he began to wonder, would Jesus offer it to me too? The one thing that I need the most and the one thing that I deserve the least. Jesus, give it to me too. And so he cries out in hope and desperation and faith. The thief cries out. He prays out, Jesus, remember me. Remember me. It was love. Forgiveness. It was forgiveness made manifest. It was love in the flesh. For as beaten and torn as that flesh was, it was love in the flesh. And I I gotta tell you, my earliest religious experiences, 
my formative moments of salvation. And I think I've shared this before, but, but the moments of salvation that that kid knew right there, that stud of a fifth grade Olin Mills picture. Um, that kid, that kid's, that kid's formative religious experience, that kid's formative salvation experiences, it had very little to do, in fact, it had nothing to do with that sort of love, with that broken, poured out sort of love. That, that kid, salvation wasn't built on love for, that kid's salvation was built on fear. That kid, me, we, see, we didn't come to faith because we were so head over heels in love with God. We came to faith because we were scared to death of the devil. And that kid and this kid, we, we didn't come to faith because we totally wanted to go to heaven. Now we just knew for sure that we did not want to go to hell. But the thing about that sort of faith, that faith that's built out of fear, that faith that's built out of anxiety, that, that just do the bare minimum, just in case sort of faith, the thing about that sort of faith is that, is that it never lasts. It's just, um, it's just a house built on sand. But, but if we believe who God says that God is, Amen. if we believe who God says that he is, if we believe who God has proven himself to be, long-suffering and patient and kind, filled with goodness and mercy and love and grace, if we can believe that, then it changes things. And it changes us. And yes, God still has super high expectations of us, nothing short of holiness. But if we can believe that, if we can believe the very nature of God, it changes things. And, and you know what? We, we will want to change. We we'll want to change, not because we fear God's wrath, but because we know His love. We will want to change, not because we fear God's wrath, but because we know He's good. That God only wants for us and God only wants from us that which is for our benefit. And maybe, maybe that has to start right here. Maybe that starts right here with this same simple sinner's prayer. Jesus, remember me. Jesus, remember me. Jesus, remember us. And then help us to remember you. Because nameless does not mean powerless. And nameless does not mean purposeless. In fact, whenever we have one of these sorts of experiences, and I pray to God that each and every one of us have, that we've had one of those experiences, or at least that we are open to having one of those experiences. I pray that none of us are waiting for a deathbed confession, because one, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And because two, we miss out on so much of the good stuff. We miss out on so much of the, the beautiful stuff of life right now. We miss out on paradise today. But once we have one of these life-changing experiences with the Lord, we can't help but to share it. We can't help but to, to tell our stories. That's the way, that's been the way of faith ever since the, the time of, of the crucifixion. Come and see has always turned into go and tell. You see, our, our experiences become our exhortations. Our wounds become our witness because what Pastor John said is absolutely true. People are watching us and they're waiting 
And they're looking and they're listening and they're wanting to find something. They're wanting to see something worth remembering. Would that they would remember Jesus because of us, church. Would that they would remember Jesus because of us, because of the way that we live and because of the way that we love. And yes, because of the way that we forgive, by the way we offer it and by the way we ask for it. That that would make the difference. That that would thaw a heart. That that all we nameless sinners, just like this nameless sinners, we would find ourselves changed because of the power and the presence, because of the promise of him whose name is above every other name, Jesus Christ our Lord. As we pray. Amen. Our God, um, this morning we, we come humbly to your throne of grace, and Lord, we beg you, forgive us, for we know not what we do. Lord, and even, even in those places, even in those times when we pretend like we know what we're doing, God, you know the truth. You know, most of the time we're just making it up as we go along. God, forgive us. Forgive us for the things that we've done and the things we've left undone, for the things that, that we've said and the things we've left unsaid, for the ways that we have refused to, to, to follow you. God, forgive us and come to us. Make yourself manifestly known. Lord, this morning, we pray this morning, I pray for any individual in this room or joining us online that don't know you. For any who've been reluctant to take that first step of faith out of fear, out of doubt, whatever it may be, God, whatever lie, Lord, whatever lie that they have bought into about you or about themselves, God, we pray that you would come by the power and the spirit of your truth, that truth that sets us free. God, and let them know your grace and your redemption and your love. Let them know your forgiveness. Let all of us know your forgiveness. God, we pray that you would embolden them to take that first step. And then, Lord, for the rest of us, we pray for the boldness to take our next step. Whatever that may be. Wherever that may lead. God, we cling to your promise. To your presence. We cling to your power this day. Lord, we cling to it today. Let us know your mercy. Let us know your truth today as we go forward to be your people, Lord. Take us and guide us, for we offer you this prayer as we offer you our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.